But uh, Anna, it has your your fun flex fact is yeah, you know, yeah, it's nice. Is uh, she's been doing SPO longer than everybody in here because she grew up in the same house as Gordy, and uh, it's her fun flex. She didn't share much, so she knows SPO. She knows uh, what it's like to live. And like actually the first like I don't know six seven years of your life, actually Gordy ran a men's household out of his house. No joke. Like they would like have like like the guys had their own like layer, and they would like have morning prayer, and like dinners every once in a while. They had all these like rules like how you relate to kids and stuff, and like they ran a men's house out of their house for the first seven years of your life. Yeah, about there. Third order. Third order. It was like because back then it was like a lot more like young adult stuff happening. These guys went to college and like anyways. Uh, it was the 80s, you know, 90s. It was maybe those the 90s. She's not that old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, um, Anna is a woman who um, is fiery conviction. Uh, I think you all about to find that out. She's a woman of wisdom. Uh, she lives it. And she, uh, she's a level of deformity in her a character that has weight to her. And when you meet her and you're around her, you just know it. And I know she's going to bring that tonight because that's who she is. So let's pray with her and we'll pass it over. So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Father, we just come before you. And Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to be formed as your people, to hear you speak to our hearts. And Lord, we just pray that you send your Holy Spirit now to anoint our ears, to anoint Anna. We pray that you fill her with your presence, your peace, and with the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So we just consecrate this evening, this time to you, prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, John, for that honoring. We're going to learn more about honoring leader. It's a part of right speech, believe it or not. Um, John took all my stories, so we'll just well, we'll just dive right in. And we're doing Christian personal relationships, CPR. John said that, and I love this course because it's it's so important. And we have such good intentions, and we want to be holy, and we want to be in a right relationship with God, and we want to change the world, and we want to love each other, and sometimes we just don't know how. And we think we do, and we just end up not doing it. So it's really, I love this course because it gets into the nitty-gritty a little bit. Um, As John said, we have toddlers, and toddlers want to do a lot of things. Well, we had a crazy day today. A lot of big feelings, as we call them. I don't know if you have days with big feelings, but we had a day with a lot of big feelings, and I was talking to one of my children, and I was like, we need to stop crying now and talk about this. And they were like, I want to, but I don't know how. And I feel like that is with us sometimes when it comes to personal relationships. We're like, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Um, so I'm going to give you all the answers. Just kidding. Um, I will not. But you can Google, and there's a lot of things about right speech on Google. Um, but that's not what this talk is about. So um, we're talking about speech because words have power. Words have power. 
They make us feel things. They make us believe things. They shape the way we see things. Um, Anna France, stand up. Hey, everyone clap. Yay. All right, you can sit down. Words have power. They make us do things. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I stole that from Emily Bauer. <laughs> it does. I feel very powerful right now. Um, John was saying this, but Genesis... God spoke creation into being. He brought order from chaos. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And in Genesis, God gave, he made the first person um, before man and woman, and he brought the animals to them, and he said, name them. So God gave humankind the power to participate in creation, particularly through this speech, through calling things into being, through naming them. Um, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Like, you can reflect on that for a really long time. Um, so we're made in the image and likeness of God, and God speaks, and God ha has power, and he spoke in power, and we carry this likeness of God, you know, for better or for worse. And we can use our speech to praise God, God, to build up, um, to heal. You, you look in the Bible and Jesus, Jesus used his words to heal, to bring life. It, scripture talks about your words, O Lord, are spirit and life. Um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about um, the scriptures, which are the words of God. And it says, for this reason, the church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body, she never ceases to present to the faithful the bread of life, taken from the one table of God's word in Christ's body. So the words of the scriptures were to venerate as Christ's body. Like that, I, I don't think we understand what that means. That's amazing. Um, so the word of God is living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Your words became life. I devoured them. These are part scripture verses about the power of words. Um, but words can also tear down. They can break down. Words are free. We have this power to participate in the creation, to participate in the image and likeness of God. Um, but we can use words to destroy as well as to build up. It was words that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, Proverbs 18, the tongue has power over life and death. The power has tongue over life. The tongue has power over life and death. We have power to speak life or death into a situation, to a person, to the world, to ourselves, each of us. Matthew 12:36, Jesus says, we'll have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word spoken. And this keeps me up at night. <laughs> we'll have to give an account on the day of judgment of every careless word spoken. Man. So, and then James. If you want to be convicted about speech, well, read Sirach, read Proverbs, and then read James 3, um, 1 through, well, I have 1 through 12. I, there were some handouts. Um, 
And on the back, I, have, I just have the whole thing. But just imagine you're preparing to give a talk, um, a teaching, one might say, and you're reading James 3, and the first thing it says is, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> But here I am. I'm here not because I have perfected speech. Um, and this is a very humbling thing to write and, or to read because here I am teaching and I'm a hypocrite. I have struggled with speech, write speech my whole life. I still do. Here I am. I'm not here because I'm perfect at it. If you find someone who's perfect at it, they should come up here. I am here because it's something that I've wrestled with. It's something that I've seen destroy um, families, destroy cultures, destroy households. I've seen it build cultures, build the kingdom, um, breathe life, return people to themselves. And so I am here because there's a lot at stake. And what's at stake? What's at stake is our own holiness. What's at stake is our worship. Because how do we worship? With our words. And what is at stake is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God in a big way and in every little facet that we live the kingdom of God. Um, and whenever two or more are gathered in the name of God, he's there. So whenever two of us are gathered, that is the kingdom of God. Um, so that's a, lot, that's a lot that's at stake. This is important stuff. Um, but it's good because... Because we've been given a power, and this isn't a talk about wrong speech. This is a power about right speech. So I want to focus us on that our speech is powerful and it can build up. And that's what its purpose is. God gave us speech so that we could build the kingdom, that we could edify each other, that we can worship, that we can participate in creation. So good news. Speech is good. It's its use is good. The power is for good. And we can misuse it. Um, there is a definition of sin or an understanding of sin that sin is a misuse of reality. So when we sin with our speech, we are misusing reality. The reality that we are sons and daughters of God. The reality that we are made in the image and likeness of God. The reality that we belong to each other. Um, John was saying that last time, he's, that God's plan goes through other people, that, that we belong to other people, that God always works with the people. And right now, you know, maybe your people's SPO, but it won't always be SPO. You know, SPO is just a little tiny piece of your life right now, but God always wants you to belong to people, to the church, to a family, to a religious order, to like wherever you are and wherever you go, you will always belong to a people and you always be responsible to them and them to be responsible to you. So this isn't just a like, this is a talk to help you figure out how to live in household. Um, this is a talk to help us use our speech and not misuse our speech and to be in relationship with other people. Um, so we're going to get in the weeds a little bit. Are you ready? That was kind of like a zoom out Google Earth style. Now we're going to zoom in and stalk some people. No, we're going to zoom in 
and go through some nitty gritty. And as you go through these, the point isn't for you to like tackle all these areas. Like some of you will be like, I wanna be good at all these and stop doing all these. That's, that's great. And some of you will make excuses for why you don't really do any of these because, because we like to do that, you know? Um, but the point is of going through these is for you to, to be convicted. I want you to like circle some that you're like, hmm, I could probably be better at that. Or star ones that are like, I think, I think I'm doing this. I can grow in this. Um, or ones that you're like, ah, I don't even know what I think about this. So this isn't, this isn't just a list to check off. This, let's like dive into this. Let's chew on it a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying all these things for you to like have a list of things to do. Um, so there are some uses and misuses of speech. Um, one way to look at it is unification versus division. Our speech can bring unity, um, not uniformity. I think we get those mixed up sometimes. Uniformity, not good. Boring, bland. Not what God has for us, but unity, to be of one heart and one mind. Um, a little bit like a sports team, you have to have a common goal in order to play in a sports team. Like the goal of like winning the game, of scoring points, of whatever it is. That kind of one heart, one mind. So when you're on a sports team, you're not all doing the same thing, that wouldn't work. Um, or an orchestra or or something, unification. This is the unification we're talking about, unity. And our words can bring unity. Some ways that our words can bring unity are praise, of expressing honor, truth without flattery. I love the way you're paying attention right now, Gavin. Thank you. That's an example of praise. Um, honor, it's spoken before others, praise made public. It comes from... Um, like soldiers, they receive honors. It's a public ceremony. John just honored me earlier in front of everybody. Yay. Um, uh, there was a priest who once talked about like praise and honoring as being returning people to themselves. Like this is a way of unity that we can. So when we think of unity, it's yeah, like unity together, but it's also like our unity with God. We can help other people restore that unity with God and unity with ourselves. We can help people understand their identity, remember their identity. We can return people to themselves. Um, loyalty, speaking of, this can look like speaking of people who are absent in a positive way, can look at standing up for somebody in their absence. It can also, um, we can show loyalty by maintaining confidentiality. Like if someone tells us something that's theirs to tell and they share it with us, we can be loyal to them by not sharing what's not ours to share. Um, we can stand up for someone. Um, and then blessing. I think it's cool, like in the Catholic Church, we have priests and they've been given authority to bless. But Parents also have a special authority to bless their children, and we all have power in our words, so we can bless. Um, this is a, a silly example, but I had a friend who was from the East Coast, and she got into this habit of 
like swearing at people when they cut her off or like on the road. And then she had her conversion and she's like, man, this has got to go. So now whenever like she starts getting angry or someone does something on the road, she's like, peace and blessings, peace and blessings. And this is a silly example, but I think we can use more of this in our life. Like, are we quick to just be like, oh, that stupid person, or oh, why? Or, or can we wish for blessings to be on those around us? Those who we love and those maybe who've wronged us, can we get our hearts to a place where we wish good things on them, even though they have hurt us? Um, so these are ways of, of unity, unification, division. Um, our words can cause division. It can separate us from each other. It can separate us from ourselves. It can separate us from God. Um, one way is gossip, casual, idle chit-chat, speaking of other people behind their backs, people's misfortunes, mistakes, faults, weaknesses, personal affairs. Sometimes, like, this is bad. Sometimes it's just unhelpful of sharing information that's not ours to share. I want us to, to think about the information we share and why we share it and if it's helpful. I think we can so often get in the realm of like, is it moral or not moral? Is this a sin or not a sin? But God wants us to live so much beyond just like not sinning. Like, is this building up? Is this a helpful thing to share? Why am I sharing this? Um, I had a friend once in, for Lent, she gave up conversations that revolved around other people. And I think about that. This is like a long time ago. And I still think about that from time to time because how many of my conversations are about other people, for better or for worse? But it's just, a, it's, I, want, I want us to think about that. Like how, how many of my conversations are about other people? and not necessarily honoring them or affirming them, but just like talking about other people. It's like, for what end? For what purpose? Um, you know, especially if it's other people's faults or, or failings. And then slander is like a step beyond gossip. It's the closing another serious faults and failings without an objectively wrong reason. Um, to people who don't know them. Um, and we often call this venting. I don't know if you've vented before. I've vented before. And it's actually slander because I am sharing with you something that you didn't know about this other person just so I can get it off my chest. And this, isn't, this doesn't mean we should like let things simmer. You know, I think that's why it's called venting. You gotta like air it out, but there's there's times and places and, um, and, and ways to do that. Um, we, can, we can frame things in a way. We can talk to one person and not a bunch of people. We have this silly thing we talk about, like, Brother X or Sister X. But I don't know. Do people still do that? Yeah. yeah right? OK. I'm so glad Brother X has survived all these years. Um, he, yeah, six, Sister Y, Brother X, staying strong. But there's power in our names. And we can talk about situations without talking about someone's name. And when we talk about their name, we're attaching 
their name, which has power, to all these things. And I don't know if you've been on the receiving end of, of slander, but you know, if someone tells me something I didn't know about Jaslyn, and now every time I see Jaslyn, it's like hurt our relationship because I can't reconcile with her. I don't even know. I'm not even supposed to know she did this thing, and now I can't receive her as a person the same way. So slander hurts the person you are speaking to more than it hurts the person you're speaking about. Uh, so out of respect for those you're speaking to, let's not do this to each other and let's not, I mean, I think it's more obvious why we don't speak of the wrong of others. Um, but yeah, we can still talk about things and talk about hard situations and process and problem solve, but um, I mean, brother X, sister Y is a fun tip to do that. Um, we can talk about situations without talking about people. We can think about who I'm sharing with. Are they actually going to help me? Are they going to call me on on this? Or are they just going to, like, are we going to triangulate? That's a fun psychology term where you draw, draw closer to another person by, um, by creating a common enemy. So that's like something we do psychologically because we like to be bonded with people. We like to have friends. And sometimes we don't know how to do that besides making a common enemy. But as Christians, a common enemy. Uh, yeah? Did you cut, I think some of you caught that. Um, so let's not do that. Um, and yes. And when we, we, when we do do this to each other, there's another talk dun, 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 about how to reconcile relationships. So stay tuned. Um, so unification and division. We can unify. We can divide. We have the power. Let's bring unity. And another way to think about words in use and misuse of words is edification versus discouragement. So edification, does anyone know what that means? It's a fun word. It's a, yeah. What's that? Wait, uplifting. Yeah, uplifting. Yes. You are not wrong. You are absolutely right. Keep on raising your hands and speaking. Um, edification, it's building up to strengthen. Um, like build, literally building up. So one of the ways to do this is encouragement. Encouragement literally means to give heart. Um, we, my kids often are, say, this is too hard. I can't do it. And I can encourage them by saying, we can do hard things. Because they can, and you can. And I want to encourage you right now, you can do hard things. Um, if you didn't know that. But it's building a person up. You're saying, you can do it. I believe in you. We can, it could be hard. You can get through this. Um, affirmation is to confirm or uphold someone's gifts. So, to, and we can do this by naming them and being specific. And this is a really good thing to practice, especially with people that maybe you don't necessarily see their gifts right away or have a hard time with. But we should be doing this to everyone. We can affirm everyone. Hey, I noticed the way that you clean the dishes every night and you don't leave the sink empty and no one's asking you to do it and you do it really cheerfully and 
I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's a way to affirm somebody. Um, you're naming their gifts. You're calling them out. You're building them up. Um, discouragement is the opposite of edification. So if edification is to build up, discouragement is to take down. Um, I have... My kids take turns with this when they play. You know, one builds the blocks and the other destroys them. So you can have that image. So ways of build discouraging is grumbling and complaining and murmuring. And these are so easy to do because they cost us nothing. It costs us nothing to criticize something. It costs us nothing to mumble and complain and it creates discontentment and discouragement in our own hearts and with the people we're around. It, it has power. Um, when we focus on the negative, um, I was living in household once and we had these really bad pans. I don't know if households still have bad pans, but these were bad pans. And we were, for whatever reason, I don't know if they're particularly bad this year or we just were a salty group, but we complained about these pans probably every day. And it started off being like, oh, these are falling apart. And then it just turned into like, I think we, like, we were bonding over it, but not in a, like, a helpful way. We're like, oh, these dumb pans, we're all going to die of cancer because of these. SPO doesn't care for us. I might not even live in household again because SPO can't even give us good pans, which is so silly because SPO is not even a person. It's a, whatever. That's a different. Um, but if you, like, our whole house just got started getting discouraged about everything and negative about everything, and it started with these pans. But there was one sister who, like, stopped complaining and was like, hey, is there something we can do about this? So she did some research, she wrote up a proposal, and she submitted it about, hey, these are our pans. I think they probably actually have Teflon in them, and they actually might not be good for us, and is there any way we can find some money in the budget to get new pans? And a couple weeks later, new pans show up on our door. But that cost her something, right? Our complaining cost us nothing. It, like, it cost us nothing personally, but it cost, like, our house was not fun to live in because we kept complaining about these dumb pans. And this one girl, like, took the cost upon herself of not joining in the complaining, which is hard to do when everyone else is complaining, of doing research, of submitting a proposal, and she didn't know if they would, like, if she would get a response or not. But change happened. Like, the cost, Complaining doesn't cost us anything except for our well-being. So discouragement. Um, another way to think of use and misuse of speech is transformation versus destruction. Transformation versus destruction. Our speech can be transformative or it can destroy. Um, transformation, honesty. Exhortation, correction, these can all transform. And we, correction can be really hard. 
And it can be hard to do because it can be hard to do out of a place of love. Um, but we want to grow, don't we? We want to not just stay where we are. And sometimes that takes the humility to receive correction. Ooh, I have a microphone there. Um, to receive correction from, from somebody else. Um, I, just an, is this, yeah, okay. So an example I have was, oh, well, here we go. I was on a team and I was in all these meetings and it was with a lot of really positive, optimistic people. So whenever we would eval something, it was like, oh, this is so good, and that was so beautiful, and we all did a great job. And I, I think I have a tendency to see. Anyways, enough about me. I chose to be the person who would speak the truth, right? Because somebody had to. So every meeting I would come in, guns a-blazing, I'm the truth speaker, and all my truth was negative because everyone else was saying positive things. And someone pulled me aside after this had been going on for a while. And she was like, hey, we appreciate that you're pointing out things that we might not notice. That's like really good and good for the team. However, how you're doing it is really unhelpful and really discouraging mm -hmm. because it, it, we have momentum and then you bring us down. And we get momentum and you bring us down. And, and she corrected me in how I, was, how I was speaking. And I was able to like really pray about it and think about it and seek wisdom and learn how to cushion my, <laughs> like affirm, be like, hey, I saw that. That was good too. Did we think about this? Maybe we can think about this. Um, but I'm so glad that she corrected me. Like, praise the Lord, I was able to grow um, and have the grace and the humility to receive correction. I'm so grateful for her. Um, so correction, honesty, speaking, speaking the truth in love, though, I think sometimes we can use, we can weaponize honesty just to, like, um, weaponize it. I am being the honest person here. This is just the truth. Um, I say that a lot when I'm, when my intention isn't to just speak the truth. Um, so honesty, but honesty when it comes from, like if someone's like, how are you doing? Like, how can I be honest with this person and not just be like, it's fine if it's not fine? Or honesty and like, this is really good, I love this. Um, another way for transformation is exhortation, to inspire, to strengthen. We can exhort each other. I think sometimes we think of exhortation as just like a person up in front. But we can, we can exhort each other in a conversation if someone's feeling discouraged or weak um, in an area. We can inspire them. We can we strengthen them with our words. Um, yeah, and, but our words can also destroy. Um, weaponizing honesty can bring destruction. Um, obviously, lying, making false statements. I think we know lying is, is bad, but often, um, how often do we manipulate the truth? You know, um, we, we're subtle about it. We, we say things in a way 
to get people to think a certain way about us or think a certain way about another person or think a certain way about a situation. Um, and silence can be a form of manipulation too. Um, uh, this, is a, this is a silly example again, but I struggled with this a lot because I was really prideful and I wanted to not, people to think better of me. So there's, and I am, I am still late for everything, but I was a lot worse at being late for everything. And I remember I was driving to a meeting or something that I was late for, and I was like going through my mind, thinking of like, what could I tell them about the reason why I was late that would make me look the best? I don't know if I articulated it that clearly, and then I, I had to like slow down because there was a car on the side of the road with like a tow truck. And I was like, yes, an accident. That's why I'm late. And they will never know that. And it, you know, it technically was an accident, but that's not the reason why I was late. So how, we do this a lot. And it's destructive because it's not in line with reality. We're manipulating the world around us, and that's not what our speech is for. Our speech is, is to align with reality, to align with God, to align with the purpose he has for us. So I want to encourage us um, in the area of lying, too, of, of just being honest and letting the Lord speak truth to us. Like, are we overemphasizing ourselves or situations? Like, how much do we respect the truth, or how much do we think the truth is ours, to do with it what we want for our purposes. Um, and I, I put complaining and destruction here under destruction too. It can, complaining can be, um, complaining can be discouraging, but also can be really destructive. I think especially, um, especially when we're really quick to criticize and we can tear down cultures. We can tear down environments. And so often we have really good intentions. Like, I love problem solving. I am a perfectionist. I want every house to be a, I'm a part of, every relationship I'm in, every conversation I'm having, every group I'm in, every church I go to, to just be perfect. And I am really quick to see the ways that are not perfect. And I can be quick, quick, quick to criticize and say, they're not doing this right. We can change this. We didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. This is wrong. This is off. This could be better. And often it, it really, I think, genuinely does come from the good intention of like wanting things to be better. But when we're so quick to criticize and to tear down and to seek perfection, We've, we're like, whose kingdom is that a part of? Like, are we trying to build our kingdom or are we, are we allowing God to build his kingdom and are we allowing people to be who they are and are we in line with reality or are we trying to change reality? Um, so I think this is like constructive con criticism can be transformational. We need constructive criticism, but if we're so quick to criticize and so so quick, we can we can tear tear down what we're trying to build. Um, 
And I think we've seen this. Um, yeah, we've, we've seen this, we've known this. I, I was part of a household once and, well, one of the households when I was a student, they had this leader who, she had room to grow. I don't know if she should have been a household leader that year. Who knows? She, but she was doing her best and she had a lot of really um, gung-ho women underneath her and they saw this and I was complacent, or I was whatever the word is. They shared with me a lot and I didn't do anything about it, so I'm part of them, I guess. But it got to a point where like, they really wanted to have a good household experience. They really wanted to grow in sisterhood. They really wanted to be challenged and it wasn't quite happening with this woman and so it, it turned into this criticism and they were talking to the missionaries and it just like grew and grew and grew. Like, have you seen Veggie Tales where the fib just grows and grows? It was like that. And, and all of a sudden they were like trying to get her kicked out of being a leader and it wasn't over anything that was like, she wasn't doing anything wrong. There was no sin, there was no scandal. Just she wasn't quite being the person they were really hoping she would be. And they really, we wanted a good thing and it ended up tearing the whole house down. And the whole year was just revolved around, will she stay or will she go? How can we like replace her? And that's terrible, but that's just an example of like what can happen when we're so quick to criticize and we don't watch our words. We can tear down what we're trying to build up. Um, so the final thing is glorification of God versus exaltation of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and ourselves. Um, so glorification of God. Like we've, we've been, Emily gave us an awesome talk about worship, how we've been given words, and we can pray, and we can praise, and we can worship God, and proclaim him, and um, I think we all know a lot about, about praise and worship and praying. Um, let's do more of it. Let's just do more of it. We've been given the power. Let's do more of it. Um, one thing I want to touch on really quickly is um, witnessing is a way to give glory to God. And not, not just like standing on the street corner, but um, giving someone a reason for hope, as the scriptures say remembering. You read the Psalms and they're all about remembering, remembering, remember what the Lord has done. So one way we can use speech well to glorify God is to remember what he's done in my life and other people's life and call it to mind quickly um, and have gratitude. Gratitude is an antidote for a lot of the poor patterns of speech. Um, but let us remember and give gratitude to the Lord and witness his goodness to each other. Um, and then when we don't exalt God, we can use our speech to exalt the world, the flesh, the devil, ourselves, as we say. We can boast, which is a way to exalt ourselves. Um, we, like, I think manipulation can come into that, of like trying to draw attention to ourselves. Um, something I want us to think about, I'm not going to say anything hard and fast about it, but negative humor and sarcasm are sneaky. I just want to say they're sneaky. And 
we, I just want you, if you love negative humor and sarcasm, like I grew up in a family with a lot of sarcasm, you know, it can be fun, but it can be sneaky. And I just, I just want us to take a moment sometime this week, and if you love sarcasm and negative humor, think about how helpful is it? Where is it coming from? Am I using it to hide from something? Am I using it to um, be bitter in a way that's acceptable? Um, how often is it cutting more than it's upbuilding? Um, and then foul language and perversity. We have a problem with this in our house. Let me tell you, my kids, all the time, the new fun thing is to talk, potty talk. There is so much potty talk in our house right now. And <laughs> um, also, this is a funny tangent, but I was listening to John's talk because I wasn't able to make it. And my daughter came down from her nap early, and at some point he's like, that would just be stupid. And she's like, oh, daddy said stupid. Because <laughs> we try not to use stupid in our house because they call each other stupid. Anyways, foul language perversity. Yes, foul language perversity. Okay, why do we use foul language? Like swearing, what are we doing? Let's just take a look at what we're doing when we swear. So often when we swear, we're in a situation, not all the time, but often we're in a situation that we can't put words to. We've stubbed our toe, there's a lot of emotion. You're angry at something, a lot of emotion. You're processing something. You don't know the words to speak. So in order to articulate this, this thing that we can't articulate, we either drag the profane into the present. So, I mean, when you're four years old, it's like poop, pee. When you're older, we have different words for that. But dragging, like think of all the swear words you know. It's dragging what's perverse into the present or is dragging the divine into the perverse. And so it's in disalignment with reality. It's a disalignment with reality. And I think we can ask ourselves, why are we, why are we dragging up the profane into the present, into this public conversation? Why are we doing that? Why is that helpful? And then why are we dragging God into the profane? instead of asking him to accompany with us. Because God wants to be with us in all things, even in our dark places. Um, instead of asking him to be with us, sometimes we just drag it down. Um, so I think with foul language and perversity, potty talk, all of the, all of the things, why? What are we building? What, are we, what kind of culture are we building? Um, I, I'll just leave it at that. So from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is Luke 6:45. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I, I want to end with that. From the fullness of the heart, 
the mouth speaks so much. We can train our tongue. It's hard. Scriptures talk about training our tongue being hard. We can redeem our tongue. We can ask the Lord to redeem our tongue. But we also need to ask, from what fullness am I speaking from? From what fullness? What is happening in my heart that I have right patterns of speech, that I have poor patterns of speech, that they're aligned with reality or not aligned with reality? Am I speaking out of fear, out of hurt, out of woundedness, out of joy, out of peace, out of rootedness in the Lord? From what fullness am I speaking? Um, And just a couple drive-by quick tips. Um, When I am thinking about speaking or I'm speaking, um, does it glorify God? Who is it glorifying? God, myself, the profane. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it good? Is it mine to speak? And then what's the cost? And who is it costing? Is it costing the listener? Is it costing me? Is, should it cost me? Um, and uh, something, like, really quickly, again, with toddlers. So often we're toddlers in the spiritual life. But um, so often with my toddlers, I have to say, how can we say this differently? How can you ask this differently? How can you talk about this differently? And this is a skill that we never stop learning. So I think that it's a good practice for us. How can I say this differently? Um, and then there, there are four things that need to be in alignment for right speech. Um, the words we're saying, I think the tone we're using, um, what's in our heart. And, and if one of these is out of alignment, then we don't have right speech. We could have really good intentions, but speak things that are true, but speak them bitterly or harshly. And that's a misuse of our speech. That's a disalignment. Um, so some reflection questions you can go through in your prayer if you like reflecting questions. Um, I think make a resolution. This is Lent. We can make a resolution of how to grow in speech that builds the kingdom of God, how to cut out patterns of speech that are destructive. Um, on the table over there, I have a double-sided page of just scripture verses on speech, if you want to be a little wrecked on, by that. Proverbs and Syriac, man, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, we've, we are made to create. We've been given the power, and with great power comes great responsibility. Um, but we've been given the power and the responsibility to create. And we are made in the image of God, and we carry the likeness of God and we share in the likeness of God, and we share in creation, and we are sons and daughters and co-heirs to the kingdom. And with our speech, what are we building? Let us build the kingdom.